Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Cards? This game is fun, card stuff. This game is exceedingly simple. Or this is just the card there. Time to pluck a pigeon. Sure. Now, so are we on to a all-competition, all-the-time mode? Yeah, I like I like to make it competitive now, I think. Let me suggest something for the competition, because there's only three signed cards per <laughs> box of portfolio prints, but we discovered in the last in our last uh, box that there are also lots of other bonus cards. Right. Do do we want to call it a win if you get any kind of bonus card? Yeah, I think that's fair. It also okay. prolongs the bit so we don't have to keep buying boxes of these cards. They're fucking expensive. <laughs> yeah, they, they sort of are. Yeah. All right, All right, you ready to dig in? I'm digging into my first pack. Me too. For those playing at home, these, of course, are the Star Trek The Next Generation Portfolio Prince Trading Card Series 2. Hey, I got a good one. Right on top, it's Code of Honor. Dang. <laughs> one I of mean, the great so, bad episodes ever. Not so much a good one as a horrible one. <laughs> Oh my uh, god, I got a signed card. Damn it. Are you kidding? First pack. Oh. First fucking pack. Are you serious? Yeah. I have biomolecular physiologist <laughs> Z Ma, who is one of the uh, Moroccan surgeons from Samaritan Snare. Really? <laughs> Maybe the minorest of minor characters. <laughs> Did this person even have a line? God, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But uh, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into Z Ma's uh, film biography here while you're digging for yours. Yeah, I've got a uh, I've got a Who Watches the Watchers, and I've got an imaginary friend card. So that's pretty exciting. Oh, I've got a Code of Honor card here too. All right. I'm on to the third pack, Adam. Holy shit, Zima is a guy with a career. Yeah? Holy shit, he's been in everything. He was in Arrival. Really? Which was which I thought was one of the great sci-fi films. I believe that you and I saw that together with our wives. That's right, and when we came out of the movie, it was fake snowing on us in L.A. Yeah, we were in one of those weird malls in L.A. where they make fake snow during the holidays. That was real magical. I have opened my third package of cards, Adam, and I have a whopper of a signed card. Shut up. This card has been personally signed by Spencer Garrett as Simon Tarsus in the drumhead... What? Yeah, I got the uh, the the guy with the lightly loafed ears. Wow, good get. That is a big card. That's a win. I mean, I lost I lost the game, but I feel like I I uh, I snatched a a stalemate from the jaws of defeat. You did. 
Wow. Good get. Yeah. Good job by us. Yeah, this has been a this I, I like our, our modified card game. The thing is, the next time we play it, it's gonna take forty minutes to get to anything <laughs> special because we're getting these so early. Yeah. Well, we shit the bed, Adam. We've gotta sleep in it. As is the rule, you must sleep in a shat bed. <laughs> yeah. I think I have an insurmountable lead. That's that's tough. Like cumulatively, I think it's it's four packs. Two signed cards for me, and then what is it, like 18 packs, <laughs> two signed cards for you? you? You don't have to be a jerk about it, Adam. It all comes out even in the end, right? Does it sound like I'm being a jerk? Maybe I'm a little cranky, because this episode made me incredibly cranky. <laughs> did, did it make you feel that way? Um, yeah, I have some feelings about it, Adam. All right. Should we get I- into it? I think I would like to counsel you about those feelings. The feelings you have about Season 6, Episode 3, Man of the People. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Well, the entrepreneur starts this episode uh, intervening in an attack that we don't get to see. There's like some... Some bad ships attacking a good ship, and the entrepreneur comes in flexing, <laughs> and uh, that is enough to scare away the bad ships. They don't want to take on the Enterprise. But then we just cut to the like not moving outside of a fairly boring model of a of a spaceship. All excitement has been completely done away with. <laughs> Never to return, by the way, Ben. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, and so they've got they've got the uh, the captain of this junker on the radio, and he's like, "Hey, listen, I'd uh, like permission to transport two of our passengers to your ship, and it would be great if you guys could take him because we can't defend ourselves, and people are going to keep attacking us." Again, uh, this is happening via via non FaceTime. This is like yeah. a standard. This is like a Skype call without the video function turned on. It's FaceTime audio which is almost a contradiction in terms. I'm a little surprised they didn't call this episode Budget Constraints because <laughs> because the entire time they're making very specific choices here. Yeah, even the loaf is cheap in this episode. Some cheap-ass diner loaf. <laughs> Yesterday's loaf bin. <laughs> so, yeah, the um, the deal is, like, this guy that was under attack is a negotiator... He's a bit of a ginger Jesus type. <laughs> he's uh, he's going to a planet to try to negotiate a truce between two factions that are on the verge of a hot war. You know, there's been some kind of like scattered conflict and it's uh, it's a problem for the Federation because it's taking place in a shipping route that the Federation likes to use. So they're they're pretty keen to get this guy to where he's going so that he can talk some sense into everybody i don't feel like picard ever gets uh fomo about these diplomatic missions even though he's shuttling around a bunch of of mediators from place to place like we're we're sort of told that picard is the king when it comes to diplomacy right like not even he wants to watch this episode you know (laughs) (laughs) he's barely in it he uh, he doesn't want to take on this mission himself he's he's pretty satisfied fearing a, a diplomat to and fro yeah this guy 
beams on board with his mom, his aging mother, and uh, she steps off the transporter pad and is just immediately super-duper rude to Counselor Troy. What did you say? Who has gone down there to, to greet them. She lights into Counselor Troy, like, from the pad, too. So she's, like, really high and tall <laughs> and is basically bent at the waist, screaming at her. Sit down and shut up! Yeah. What's yeah. weird about this scene isn't so much that the mom be crazy, <laughs> but it's that the son, like does basically nothing to explain away, like, what is really socially not a great scene. What? Or else I kill the bunny! You know? Like, he does not defend her, really. He right. doesn't explain away what she's doing. And that that's the thing that got my, my antenna up. It's like Mark's dad being a big-time prick to Dobby at the Christmas table in a <laughs> peep show. <laughs> I think Dobby was totally justified in leaving. There you go, peep showing again. <laughs> ben, how's the, the peeping? These uh, these aliens don't really have loaf. They just have some, like, henna tattoos on their foreheads. Yeah. And it kind of looks like the costume department just took out, like, a, a brown Crayola marker, and we're like, this was kind of what you would look like if you were a Klingon. Who is that kid from the Adams family with the with the... The makeup to Widow's Peak. Mm. It's sort of like Widow's Peak loaf. Sort of like a like a Paul Ryan amount of Widow's Peak. <laughs> yeah. Paul Ryan amount of political credibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this guy is like, uh, well, I think we better put mom to bed. So <laughs> they just sort of shuffle off to the condo to be shown the food replicator by whoever's willing to show it to them. Yeah. We come back and Picard is having like a three-way meeting with the negotiator guy, Alcar, and then like an admiral who is, uh, who's FaceTiming in. And um, I always feel like these meetings like are more awkward than is worth putting up with for them, you know? Yeah. You go into the into the conference room and they like insist on doing it as a video conference because like the LA office wants to see what's going on. You never get the first minute and a half of these, which is like, all right, can you hear me? Like <laughs> Yeah. I can see you but I can't hear you. Maybe turn the turn the camera a little to your left. Yeah. Actually just move your seat. Just move yeah. your seat. That would be better. It would have been more realistic if they had, like, Jordy like, crawling around under Picard's desk, like, trying to unplug and replug everything. <laughs> Maybe the computer shuts down because you have 32 megabytes of RAM and you're trying to run a program that takes 128 to function smoothly, x lax People come in here and they change things. They're not supposed <laughs> to change things. Oh, by the way, you're welcome. The laptop that Picard has that he's using for this purpose is a real piece of shit. Like, <laughs> they don't punch in on the screen. Instead, you see you see screen and side screen for yeah. this. And you really need to, to put the keyboard upside down and blow it out with the, uh, with the air can. It's, it's looking real crusty and gross. <laughs> yeah. That's no bueno. Yeah. He's the captain. He should be able to get a new keyboard. Yeah. The IT department on the, on the entrepreneur is really... Not providing the latest and greatest to the uh, to the staff. If Barkley was your IT guy, you'd put it off too. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, the Admiral makes takes the position that, like, yes, technically we could pass you off to any other transport ship, but that would sort of be putting their life in danger, too, because everybody wants you dead, Alcar. So... <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and take responsibility for getting you to where you're going, and the Enterprise is gonna be your Uber for the evening. What's unfortunate about the evening's plans is that Alcar's mom dies in them. <laughs> in yeah. maybe in maybe the least dramatic fashion. So like Alcar goes to Wharf Yoga, and like it wraps up, and he's like having a nice hang with Troy. Like, she drops him off at his quarters, and his mommy comes out and continues her campaign of rudeness. No more And uh, Troy goes to, like, kick it to Riker, like, hey, like... She frightens me, Will. And and the way that Troy describes his mom is, like... Malevolent. Which is, like... You know, when you have a when you have a disagreement with a with a relative or whatever, <laughs> uh, you'll you'll say you don't like them or you don't get along with them, yeah. or whatever. But that's that's a pretty big description of someone. Yeah, malevolent evil. One of my one of my best friends from high school. I one time uh, took a walk with him and told him I thought that his girlfriend was no good for him, and that I thought they should break up. <laughs> I should have used that term. <laughs> I feel like it would have been easier to get my point across. I love the idea that uh, your description was insufficient to get him <laughs> to do it, but if you had only used malevolent evil, it might have stuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, he did it like six months later. I feel like I could have saved him a lot of grief if I had just, uh, you know, had the courage of my convictions and used the words that I really meant. That's not a great line for your bio. <laughs> 420 friendly, no drama, <laughs> malevolent evil. <laughs> it attracts a very narrow sort of partner, doesn't it? Yeah, or or Craigslist roommate. Yeah. I, I would I would argue it attracts most Craigslist roommates. Yeah. So uh they are are ta- like it's it's one of these like now cliche imzadi courtesy calls where right troy is kind of saying like oh i kind of want to bone down with the ambassador um just wanted to let you know also i think his mom is horrible and uh and they get they get a radio that uh his mom has bought the farm alcar's mom has died in a sort of mummy position in which yeah. her forearms are just sticking out <laughs> yeah it's like did she freeze to death or or did she just die? She's looked dead the whole time, though, so they really <laughs> have to run a tricorder over her to confirm that. Yeah, they cast a very old-looking woman. She is like the gypsy woman from the movie Thinner. Like, yeah. she, is a, she is a real creep show. Like, great casting slash great makeup on her. Like, I thought, I thought the whole deal was, was, like, suitably terrifying. Yeah, and she performs it like beautifully. I mean, she is she is just as frightening as she needs to be. Yeah, at like the entire time I was expecting her to wake up and start screaming again. Like that's that's how scary I found her. <laughs> Alcar and Troy like walk off and he's like, "Gosh, I'm really bummed out. Do you uh do you want to help me with something?" 
because you you and me we're empaths we're the only two people on the on the ship that can do this there's an important funereal rite that uh, my culture would perform right now and uh if you can do me a solid uh you know i can put this ugly episode behind me and get on with my work so she goes into his condo and they touch rocks and uh and a moment later, she's got a funereal disease. <laughs> I said oh. a funereal disease, Ben. Uh, yeah, no, the studio audience and I heard you the first time, and <laughs> they chuckled, and now they're not so so happy. Now they seem upset, Adam. Are you seeing boor boorns? Yee. I don't know what, how they got in here with those pitchforks and torches, but I'm getting a little worried. You know, it sucks that we live in a society where where a contemporary woman should not go into a stranger's apartment and do funereal things with them uh, without the without suspecting that something fucked up is about to happen. <laughs> and and at the same time, shouldn't you not go into the strange man's apartment to touch rocks? Uh, if you don't know exactly what the funereal rite is going to involve, like she she doesn't even ask really what it's about, but she's down. Yeah, she's just being very like helpful and accommodating, and uh, and he really takes. I don't want to victim blame Ben. Like it sounds like I'm victim blaming, but what I'm more getting at is like, shouldn't there be? Sh- shouldn't there be like a policy? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of things on this ship, I feel like there's. There's some secu- security concerns that are just never addressed. Because <laughs> it sure seems like uh, aliens in this universe are, are constantly trying to take over your body. Fairly constantly. Several times a year. <laughs> you can expect an uh, alien possession. I mean, uh, Troy's been taken over just three weeks ago. Yeah. So so they touch the rocks, and she kind of like looks up at him in shock right yeah it's not like she was blown back or anything no she doesn't get a butt injury or anything but she doesn't say anything it's like not entirely clear what that shock is about is she like is she being taken over or is she like realized that something weird just happened what's the deal what do you what do you what how did you interpret that moment well that's part of the fun ben they 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 don't show you very much so they keep you guessing it is a guiding principle of a dark meeting face. If you can't find it within yourself, to stand up, tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. The B storyline is that the doctor is very keen on cutting open uh, Alcar's mommy. She wants to get in there, get up in them guts at him. Go dig in them guts like a gardener. She's real excited to give a Y incision to an old person. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could probably just use a plastic piece of cutlery from a takeout container. <laughs> you <laughs> mean the, uh, the tensillary strength of her flesh is pretty re- reduced? Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm getting at, Ben. <laughs> yeah, she's tenderized. Um, yeah, the the doctor is like, um, she, she's she's like, this is just so weird. Like, she she died for no reason. What the fuck is happening here? And and what's like, w- another thing about her death is, did you notice that uh, that Alcar is in the back, like hands tented, just sort of watching her dispassionately? That's another weird thing. Like, 
his mom just died in front of him. And she's like, yeah. well, she was an oldie but goodie. <laughs> they don't make him like that anymore. Off uh, to my he, work. Yeah, he's like, uh, he says, says kind of in passing, like, oh, she was super sick. I feel bad about having even brought her on board, but yeah. oh, well. <laughs> yeah. It's your her mom, sick- dude. Her sickness manifest into just being a total B to Deanna <laughs> Troy at all times. <laughs> the captain is like, hey, like, unfortunately, you can't Y incision this old bat because <laughs> the... Uh, because Alcar strictly forbid it. And we have no alternative but to concur with his wishes. She's like, well, okay. So we cut to Troy, and uh, she's doing some, like, some Klingon yoga by herself. And she is, this is a wordless scene where she is just, like, having, like, a sexy time. Like, she's, she's like, checking herself out in the mirror. She's, like, loosen up, loosening up the, the neckline on her on her yoga gi. I really feel like you could rescore this scene with like a David Coverdale late 80s, early 90s, like synth rock song. Yeah. Like, because it, it plays like a music video. Yeah. And she's, uh, this is maybe like the most sexiest stuff we've seen since the Edo planet. Like she's really getting a lot of skin on display. Like, yeah. and, and, and by the time she leaves, she's like, you know, you know, like button popped off. She's going to give Lloyd Braun the wrong idea type of uh, situation. <laughs> it's clear something's up with her. But what is it, Ben? Will we ever know? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I, I think that the thing I wondered in these early scenes is how taken over is she? Is she like feeling like she's Troy, but she's just got a real lady boner for Alcar because she, like she she does like do some some Troy stuff like she she has a therapy session and it's not she's not totally acting like herself but she's also not totally not acting like herself she's not deep voice Troy she's a little meaner than normal yeah that seems a little out of character there's a mom hair in there but like a youthful mom hair on the couch she's got some complaints about a co-worker it seems as though Lieutenant Pinder just doesn't want me in his section. And Troy basically gives her the, do you even know how boring you sound right now? Maybe this <laughs> yeah. is all your fault. Maybe you don't belong here. Maybe you should transfer to the hood. <laughs> Maybe and that's more your speed, youthful it, mom hair. Yeah, and it really, like, takes her apart. But I love being on the Enterprise. This this mom hair woman is like, oh, God, I... I had no idea I was this insufferable to be around. <laughs> I think maybe I'll I'll consider a transfer. And she I love like, that they leave this hanging. Like this is never yeah. resolved. <laughs> I would love to have come back to her later, <laughs> just seeing her filing the paperwork for transfer. Yeah, she's packing like, up all of her shit. She's the Simon Tarsus of this episode. The kind of yeah. innocent innocent that gets that gets their career ruined by <laughs> by what's happening to the rest of the ship. <laughs> you can tell that the burn is so sufficient because she thanks Troy for it too. Like she yeah. is so fucked up by it that by yeah. the end she's like, "Thank you." Yeah, Troy has has become the dom in their relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty rugged. Yeah. There's like a whole bunch of fun and games like this. Like there's there's like the time when Troy like picks up a, a like a 19-year-old ensign on the on the elevator. <laughs> There's like, you know, Riker showing up at at her apartment to try and 
gets some work done and she's in like the most outrageously sexy I don't know is that like a nightgown with no back or is it supposed to be a dress or what it looked like one of those impossible dresses that people buy but never wear. <laughs> like, you buy that dress, but I don't know what occasion you wear that dress for. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like, at its core, this episode is a little slut-shamey. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, oh, like, Troy is bad because she's being so sexy all the time and having having sex with people. Like, And that's bad, bad, bad. Yeah, there's like a ratio of... Troy weaponizing her job and then Troy weaponizing her sexuality. And yeah. there are far more weaponized sexuality scenes than there are uh, with the job weaponization. Yeah, and that would have been a much more interesting episode, I think. If if I mean, she has this very privileged role on the ship where she counsels the captain and counsels she could the really crew. really fuck some people up as counselor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she could, she could instigate some major morale problems on the ship by just yeah. like like planting little seeds. Yeah. But uh but instead it's uh it's her slinking into ten forward in the dress that Marty McFly's mom wears in Biff Tannen's casino. <laughs> yeah, and and you know like the effect is sort of the same, I felt like. I felt sad when I saw Marty's mom in that dress. Yeah in the second Back to the Future movie. And I felt I felt a little sad in this scene because you know that she is under some sort of possession because she's treating her friends like shit. Yeah. And she's acting all out of sorts. And I felt bad for her, especially because she likes this ding-dong. Like, she's totally <laughs> obsessed with Alcar. Yeah. She doesn't want him hanging around with other dudes. She doesn't want him hanging around with the one female associate that he works with. She's starting to turn into his mom. What did you say? Yeah, she's uh, she's slowly but surely. I mean, for a lot of people, that's that's what they're into. Doesn't seem like Alcar's down though. <laughs> yeah, he's being a little cold with her. Um, so the we should talk about the doctor's little project. At some point, she's down in engineering and she's comparing the transporter logs to the readings that she got off of Alcar's mommy and. Uh, they they like don't make any sense, right? She she has aged a ton in the three days that she she was on board before she bought the farm. But yeah, so she's like, well, this is this pretty much clinches it. Like something is up here, and I want to I want to get to the bottom of it, and I want to do this fucking autopsy, and I wish everybody would stop like standing in my way. She like, gets like four scenes throughout the episode where she's like tangentially in conversations. But inserting the autopsy thing into it. Like, yeah. God, I'd, I'd, I'd love to help you out with this engineering problem, but I feel like performing an autopsy would also be useful. <laughs> yeah, she's like, um, you, you guys know how you have, like, tons of game tape on me being a very ethical doctor, right? <laughs> Let me make the call on this one, okay? She starts wearing the Moroccan surgical uniform around just, <laughs> just to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this? Oh, this old thing? <laughs> uh, it's actually quite comfortable. More comfortable than you'd think. Yeah. It's very stretchy, uh, breathable fabric. Mine smells like Pulaski. My love is a And then eventually, like, Alcar comes in to, uh, to like, scold Troy and uh, and... 
she's gone from she's gone from Elvira to like Topanga Canyon mom vibes. <laughs> she's like she's like uh, the kind of mom that cultivates some high grade marijuana in the backyard. I don't know how we were so simpatico on that reference, but I was totally going to tag that joke with the mom who who starts smoking weed and then starts growing weed and then starts selling weed. Like, like she's just retired from her school teacher job yeah. and, uh, and she starts dabbling, but then she really likes it. She, Stops dyeing in. her hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Why do we both know... <laughs> Yeah, that's not for the pod, but it's, it's funny that we both know them. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, I guess they've like pulled up at this planet where this where this uh, problem is happening. So, Alcar and his homies head off to to do their peace negotiation, and um, Troy comes into the into the transporter room as they're as they're trying to leave, and she is like full face burlap at this point. Uh, it's hard to see her like this. Yeah. It's hard to see her like this, not because she has aged, but because she has aged this way, which is real cakey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, like there's something wrong with this show and, and aging people. Like, I feel like they just reused the same loaf that they put on DeForest Kelly in episode one on her. They've like had it in cold storage and they're like, oh yeah, we've got some age loaf. We'll put That's that on the barbicide is for. They just put the <laughs> loaf in that liquid. Yeah. They take it out, dry it off, put it on and paint it down to take on Troy's new tan. It really goes to show how much aging makeup technology has advanced over the years because now it would look great, but good yeah. lord. Seriously. So um, she, like, comes in with a knife, and she's like... I won't let her have you. And Picard gets in the way, gets, you know, gets a little flesh wound on his shoulder, and the lady transporter chief has to come come out and put Troy in a full Nelson until the security team can show up. Where did she get that knife? I don't know. That kind of looked like a wharf knife, right? It did. Picard's super lucky that it didn't have poison on it. That's what I'm saying. I would have loved to have seen her swipe that off of his counter. <laughs> he, she pulls it out of his kitchen. Like, Worf's knife block has got to be the size of a mini fridge. Like, it's just enormous. <laughs> There's like a batleth in it. There's all the poison knives. There's the knife where you hit the button and the blades pop out. That, yeah. That's a fun Klingon knife. That's, that's probably good, good for fish, right? Worf, Worf has got to, like... Like, if Warp get, gets up in the middle of the night and is, like, looking around in a in a drawer for something, that's some pretty dangerous shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> Victorinox by Fibrox. <laughs> a warrior's knife. <laughs> Gerber. A baby's <laughs> knife. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. God, we should, they should have done more with uh, Worf's interest in cutlery. Like, <laughs> we know he's a baker, but what if he was really into cooking? Yeah. I mean, they, they sort of imply in this episode that he teaches a yoga class every day. Yeah, at 700, too. Like, yeah. that's a wake up and get after it sort of time. 
Yeah, yeah. That's like a like Worf really has a lot to prove to everybody. Oh yeah, I'm the chief of security. I'm also up at the crack of fuck every day teaching you how to do yoga. What we don't get in this scene is Worf taking extra time with with some of the people. Like, that's good, Doris, <laughs> but we need you to bend at your waist. <laughs> try to, like try, real try to keep up, Freddie. <laughs> If uh, if the, if this is too advanced for you, you can rest in child's pose and join us at the next <laughs> cycle. Yeah, I feel like if Worf really taught yoga, it would just be all like Warrior One, Warrior Two, <laughs> Warrior Three, Reverse Warrior, Warrior Two, Warrior One, Warrior Two, Warrior Three. <laughs> I yeah and. And with just that bit of headcanon, we know exactly why Worf loves yoga so much. <laughs> I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. Well, in, uh, I guess in Six Bay, Beverly is like, I mean, with what has happened to, to Troy, Beverly has convinced the captain to look past Alcar's wishes and let her do the Y incisions she's been so so keen on so she's gonna get up in them guts and Picard (laughs) beams down to the planet with Worf to tell Alcar he's like he's like on to him and he's basically pulled Alcar out of the out of the peace negotiations and is like dude like we know you fucked something up with Troy and we're gonna take you back to the ship and you're gonna like explain to us what happened and Alcar is like totally unrepentant about this. He's like, "Yeah, no, I I killed her and uh usually my receptacles survive for years." Like she died so that this peace negotiation could ha- could happen. His explanation is like breathtakingly dark. He's like, "Yeah, so so anyways, I gathered these women and I dumped my mental waste products into them. Like all of the negative energy and emotions that I have. Yeah. I just take a great big dump into their brains. Yeah, that he calls way, them his receptacles. Receptacles. Yeah, that, that just sort of frees me up to be a great diplomat. I'm sure you've noticed what a great diplomat I am. Everyone says it. Everyone says I'm the greatest diplomat. But what <laughs> I do is I shit on everyone around me. And that's what makes me feel so great. Ugh. He's like he's a psychopath. Mental waste products is Gross. what he refers to them as. Yeah. Ugh. I think it also at, at one point in this in this little exegesis, he explains that the Trump grill makes the best taco bowls. <laughs> it's interesting to consider like the catalog of mental waste products because if you think back to what came earlier in the episode, Troy's demonstrable emotions were sexual and sociopathic, I guess. Yeah. But like, like jealousy, of, rage, and sex. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of different negative emotions that I sort of wish that we had gotten. Right. You know? And also like like it is so telling that the, that sex is a negative emotion in the in the world of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Riker would would never dump sex into somebody else. Not unless they wanted it. I mean, this is an episode that 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 shows basically nothing. It shows <laughs> glowy stones touching and it ages Troy, but it asks you to headcanon a lot of this. And 
it's some pretty terrible headcanon. Yeah. Is this guy one of the most evil people on the show so far? I kind of feel like he is. He's eviler than he is played to be, and I feel like that's a level of subtlety that we don't often get. Yeah, he is an arch. Yeah, I mean, he's an antagonist that is not necessarily, like, designed as one. Right. But but um, this, this scene ends with Picard going, like, you're coming with me, bub. Book him, Warfo. And it, the the camera, like, swings over to Worf, and Worf is having his dustbuster removed from his pocket by a couple of uh, a couple of tufts from the planet. How did Worf let these guys get the drop on him? Like, you know how police officers have a gun holster where the gun can only be removed by the person wearing the holster? Like, that's modern technology. <laughs> and Worf doesn't have that. He's just, he's got it Velcroed to his pocket. Yeah. The continuing adventures of Worf Roshenko, not great security officer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta know that if if you don't show up to the drop at least an hour early, then somebody might get the drop on you. Yeah, and he doesn't like he's got two guys in perfect back fist range. Yeah, I was expecting him to do one of those like double back fist moves. Yeah, doesn't do it. That would have been good. Well, you know, they've basically been like uh, they've been eighty sixed from this planet and. Uh, we get back to the entrepreneur, and Dr. Crusher has a pretty bold plan. Her idea is that they are going to medically kill Troy for up to 30 minutes, and then that will force Alcar to like start dumping into somebody else. So as long as they can get him to do the dump within that 30 minutes, they can bring Troy back, and, uh, and then they can like arrest him or stop him from doing whatever he's doing. The and, crew uh, agrees with this plan because Deanna Troy's character has been in a persistent vegetative state for most of six seasons. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much a lateral move at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they put the plan in action. Alcar's like coming out of the negotiation, chest puffed out because he's like gotten, gotten the peace achieved. And he, he takes like a stumble. And uh, Betty Draper is is there with him, and she's like, "Oh man, you're exhausted." And he's like, "Oh, something's wrong." And Picard, <laughs> my emotional toilet's plugged. <laughs> Do you? Uh, you don't happen to have a a plunger? Um, so Picard radios down, and he's like, "Hey asshole, I got I got your receptacle. <laughs> Come and get it." <laughs> and. Uh, Alcar comes up, they do a, they do like a little staged, like, you know, mark down the time of death moment when he comes into six bay. Yeah. And, uh, he and Betty Draper head off to his, his uh, quarters and he's like, oh man, I feel terrible about this. Do you want to do death ritual with me? (laughs) The only thing that makes me feel good after seeing death is death ritual. (laughs) Gotta touch these stones. Yeah. There's something so funereal about it. Um... (laughs) So he uh, he whips them out, whips out them stones, and he and Betty Draper are, like, getting ready to do it, and uh, they're dialing Troy in. They're, like, cleansing her system of all the bad fee-fees that he's dumped into her. They, uh, they get her back uh, to, you know, within range of normal, and they, they, like, revive her. 
and suddenly Alcar is like in major distress. He was so tantalizingly close to touching stones. Yeah. And and it's hard to tell if his initial distress is about being so close and being unable to finish or if the the Troy f- switch being hit is the thing. But he he is in a terrific amount of pain. Yeah. And the wharf that's been posted outside of his door bursts in to find him in a progressively aging state. Yeah. Like and cut like, to wharf, cut to him, cut to wharf, cut to him, and he's like getting older and older. They beamed Betty Draper out of there, like right before he could grab onto her. And uh and yeah, like Troy is Troy is like morphing younger while he morphs older. He manages to st- stumble and flail around this room a lot without going through any glass tables. That was a huge surprise to me. <laughs> I know. Maybe the union has like really strengthened their position at the negotiating table. It feels like on this show, you don't fall over and hit the ground without hitting a table first. <laughs> yeah. Like if someone notices you falling, someone will push a glass table in front of you to break your fall. <laughs> yeah. His uh, his loaf is even cheaper and and more upsetting than Troy's is because it's on screen less. So they like didn't they didn't quite work it out yeah. in the same way. Um, boy, it's rough. Yeah, luckily you don't see too much of him before he's off screen. I love Worf here, like making no attempts to save his life. No, just sort of watches him fall. Looks to the ceiling, taps his communicator, and goes, Ambassador Alcar is dead. So the button on the episode is a newly youthified Troy in her quarters with Riker having the conversation we've all had after we've been too fucked up, which is like, oh, I have a feeling I did some bad things. Uh, tell, me, tell me I wasn't too bad, will you? <laughs> and Riker's like, Tell me it wasn't apparently story-level bad. Yeah, exactly. And Riker's like, well, you, you were a real mess. I'll be honest with you, but I'll, uh, I'll love you till the end of time. Till you're old and gray anyway. You could do no wrong in front of me, babe. Yeah. That was nice of him. Yeah. That's true friendship right there. Did you like this episode, Adam? Ben... Before we turned on the mics for this one, I was convinced that this was my least favorite episode of the series. Whoa. It was so bad. (laughs) But like talking through it with you made it seem like a lot more fun than it actually was. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I I feel like this is one instance, one of the rare instances, I'm sure, Where uh, the pod is better than the show. (laughs) But good Lord, was it awful. Um, There may be an explanation for this, though. Would you like to hear it? Oh, no. Did you do research again, Adam? I did. But this this research is incredibly germane to this conversation. So, Relics, the next episode, was supposed to be in this episode slot. Uh. But they pushed it back because Jimmy Doohan had, like, a scheduling conflict or something, like... He had a he had a convention to do. <laughs> he had to so sit they, at a card table and sign people's uh, headshots of him. <laughs> yeah. So what they did is they played telephone on the episode. They had five writers f- write five acts, and then they Franken scripted it together, which is what? why all the act breaks are so fucked up. 
Like Damn. that's that's a major thing. Every act ends and begins in a totally fucked up way. Yeah. So that's why there it doesn't feel like there's a lot of continuity, like either in story or energy that goes through it. Yeah. There was like, just a lot of continuity problems in general with this one. Yeah. Like it like the pips were all over the place on everybody's uniforms, like I feel like the the design of the aliens seems super rushed. Like, they came up with his costume, and then they were just like, everybody has the same costume. Like, they all have the white scarf that's, like, tightly tied under a tunic. That's what mm-hmm. they wear. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, uh, Brandon Braga said that uh, one of his favorite parts of the show, it was enjoyable to see Troy acting strange and dressing in skimpy outfits. Class act, Brandon Braga. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> Good job by you. What kind of name is Brannon? Someone uh, undeserving of the D, I guess. <laughs> that one won't make the show. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Did you like the episode, Ben? Uh, no. I mean, I I concur that it was a fun one to to zing on with you, but uh, watching it i found i i I watched it like in three sittings i i like got bored and like took my dog for a walk and then it didn't really hold my attention so we sure are getting a lot of troy falls in love with the wrong person storylines you know yeah we are they're really going back to that well (laughs) yeah like she could be such an interesting character right like we talked about it before. Like, if she weaponized her job a little more, the destruction that would cause, that's fun. That would have been but, real fun. But no, if you're Brandon Braga, you got to stick her into some dresses and sex her up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good times. See well, if uh, James Haharwood finds her missing button in the Lost and Found. Yeah. Well, uh, one area where we always get the D, Ben, is P1s. <laughs> <laughs> you want to check our messages? Let's check them. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. All right, Ben. Our first priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from Liz in D.C. And parenthetically, Liz says, do a live show here, maybe. And it's for Ben and Adam and the Greatest Gen online community. Ben, I think it's no secret that we've talked about touring the show again on the East Coast this time. I think D.C. is definitely on that list. D.C. is one of our biggest towns. Come and see us, Liz. When we get a date down, I think it's almost assured that we're going to be there. We're thinking like end of summer is probably our window for our next tour. And uh, we're talking about hitting a bunch of cities in the midwest and on the east coast and i think uh, i think it's fair to assume that we will be within striking distance of dc on that tour yeah all right the message goes like this it's for you me and everyone else thank you so much for this podcast and the community that has sprung up around it i literally lull on a regular <laughs> basis and i need that my grandmother recently died after a long illness and this podcast has helped me when i've needed distraction Please don't do Kevin or Picosby in her honor. She'd be horrified. (laughs) I don't know what to do here, Adam. Liz, I want you to know that I'm especially good at eulogies. Because, you see, I've watched a great many people die. 
I had to give exactly 40 billion eulogies <laughs> when my planet was exterminated by the Hooshnack. <laughs> you see, a father has to eulogize people that pass away, and when there's 40 billion people dead and you're the only one still around, Rudy, the only thing you can do is stand in that position for all of them, Theo. <laughs> Liz, we're very sorry about the passing of your grandmother, quite sincerely, but um, we hope that those impressions give you some comfort and some humor during this difficult time. Uh, knowing your grandmother will not be hearing these awful, awful impressions, we thought uh, we'd, we'd take that angle with you. So hopefully that did not offend. Uh, please come say hi when we come to your town. Yeah, we'll see you at the end of the summer. Adam, we have another Priority One message here. It's from Jason with the good hair and a Y. That's Jason with a Y. And it is to the only Sherry I've ever taken to. <laughs> is that a reference to something I said? I think so. Noted uh, Sherry enthusiast, Jason Benjamin with the good R. Hair. Harrison. <laughs> uh, well, here's the message. Well, I guess you shot first, but I think it's a trap. This is not the P1 you're looking for. But may the force be with you anyway. Wait, that's not Star Trek. Anyway, your scarf collection will be so valuable in the future. Why, you might have enough to buy that ship? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope for a Boston live show. Come up and we'll get you Shimoda faced. Whoa. We don't have I, I, any control over the timing of these uh, of these messages. Those are controlled by the mothership at Max Fun HQ. But that's fun that two different uh, two different P ones were were live show references. I love Boston. Yeah. I can't wait to go back. We'll be in we'll be in both places and probably several others also. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, if you have any tour ideas uh, or any other messages you'd like to give to friends or family, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, uh, personal messages, or $100. And Ben, there's also a commercial option for $200 where viewers can uh, bring attention to their various projects or works. Right. If you would like to get your message out to, like, literally 30,000... 40,000 people and uh, you have 200 bucks to spare for it, uh, we got you. 40,000 very specific kinds of people. Yeah. It's called niche marketing, Adam. Yeah. Yeah, narrow that band. P1s, MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Uh, fill out a quick and easy form. We'll read it on the air just for you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Were you able to restrain your emotional shit enough to find a drunk Shimoda? <laughs> drunk Shimoda! You gotta hold it in, Ben, sometimes. Ugh. Hold it in! Uh, I had a Shimoda in the hands of the dead <laughs> this episode. Because, uh-huh. I don't know if you noticed this, but the the lady that turns out not to have been Alcar's mom but one of his receptacles. <laughs> when she dies, we talked about how her hands are frozen in place. When Alcar goes down, his hands do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's Why? up with that? I feel like that was the one piece of direction that the director was able to give. 
Now, when you die, don't get all cartoony, but I'm going to need you to mummify those arms. It's such a specific choice, and it is not addressed. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? Weird. What do you think they do with those stones? They got to destroy them, right? Those are really powerful stones. Blow those fuckers out the airlock. That's what I'm saying. Give those things the alien queen treatment. You think the next person to use that condo is like, uh, hey, this is pretty nice. Bed's (laughs) bed's pretty soft. Replicator works pretty well. Uh, What are these things? (laughs) These little little balls that you're supposed to like twist in your hands for stress relief. Anytime you check into an Airbnb, you kind of like get the lay of the land. You like definitely look in the cabinets and see what what kind of a place it is, you know? You definitely mess with the balls Mm -hmm. if they're available. (laughs) Ben, my Shimoda definitely goes to Turbo Lift Guy, but not in the Turbo Lift scene with Troy. Troy, while experiencing her weaponized sexuality, she's been recently rebuffed by Alcar, and she stomps out of his condo into the Turbo Lift and finds another person for her to lay her eyes on. This man is an extra from the Inglorious Bastards movie. <laughs> <laughs> he is from, like... Third Reich central casting, like yeah. sort of troublingly Reichish, I, I would say. <laughs> uh, she drags him back to her quarters, and then uh, and then we get a, a scene where Riker walks in and sort of comes upon him yeah. as he was leaving. And, oh boy, <laughs> like, could you imagine following the act that is Riker? Yeah. That's tough, man. That's and tough, like, tough And stuff. he's like an ensign. Yeah. Like like Commander Riker walks in and you're with his ex. Not a Adam, good time. This guy had some nineties hair. This was like a beautiful time in the nineties for a certain kind of person because yeah. I think yep. this is his real hair, but it looks like hair plugs. So there was like a a window of like three years where you could get hair plugs and just be like, No, this is this is the look I'm going for. You gotta believe me. <laughs> Sometimes I will wash my hair and not put any product in it and forget, and I'll walk around all day and my hair will just be a fucking frizz ball. That's what this guy's hair looks like. He's just owning the frizz. There's something going on with the frizz on this on this show right now. Yeah. Like the last episode we had tons of Barkley frizz, tons of Columnini frizz. You could make the argument that hair and makeup is striking right now, and, and we just don't know it. Yeah. They're trying to get by. Hair and makeup is striking, but they've, they've, they've made a deal with the glass table people. <laughs> you know what's great is when you go on strike, you can have the glass tables do the picketing for you. <laughs> yeah. Because they'll work really long hours. They do yeah. not complain at all. No. As long as as long as there's no Klingons going through them, yeah, they're pretty happy. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, "What do I need a website for?" I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias, but isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, 
You don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Do we have a better episode coming up next time, Ben? Uh, The next episode is season six, episode four, Relics. Trapped in limbo for 75 years, Star Trek's Scotty awakens to join the next generation in the 24th century. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I do remember this episode. This is, a, this is an all-timer, Adam. It's supposed to be. I wonder if it holds up. I, I have very fond memories of this episode. I am excited to see it. I wonder if it's one finger short of a whole set. <laughs> That one's not going to make the episode either. (laughs) 
<laughs> been really talking for the edit lately. You know? <laughs> yeah, we sure have. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see this. This has got some good, some good Trek science happening. Yeah, it's like some peak sci-fi stuff. Yeah, some very like like this is this is what Trek can do kind of stuff. Well, that'll be our next episode. Ben, one thing that never gets old is, is how chatty our viewers are on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. We're on there as at CupForTime and, and at BenjaminRAHR. We've got Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram. Yeah, um, I will probably not have been as active on all of those as I typically am because as you are hearing this, I am most likely just re-entering the United States from a long trip abroad. So, uh, so get back in there. Get, get in the mix. I want to, I want to catch up. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just really enjoy our communities and, uh, and engaging with them. Yeah. You're going to be gone for like three weeks. Yeah. It's going to be a long trip. I'll do my best to keep the light on for you. Keep the conversational torch lit. <laughs> Keep the talking stick moving around the room. Keep the Motel 6 that is our online community <laughs> open and ready for business. Keep my my mental waste products from dumping on too many people. <laughs> well, uh, that's, uh, that's something uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to being back in the mix, Adam. And uh, yeah. I'm sure you'll do a great job while I'm away. I'll do my best. We should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusia for all of the other music. We should thank the great folks at MaximumFun.org for their support. And uh, everybody that uh, donates through MaximumFun.org slash donate. Everybody that leaves a nice review on iTunes. People who are nice enough to buy awesome glassware and t-shirts. We're almost due for another t-shirt, Ben. Yeah, we should think about that. Yeah. I know we've got some cool stuff in the works for our tour, but those will be tour-exclusive joints. Right. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm excited to tour again. Me you're gonna too. Get, you're going to get back from being overseas, and we're going to take you right back out on the road again. You're going to be road-weary. Well, with that, Adam, we will be back at you next time. Another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And, and an episode of The Greatest Generation that uh, is drinking green stuff. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.